Pastor Rick, for that wonderful invitation and uh, welcome. Uh, as uh, Just to continue on with uh, what pa- Pastor Rick was talking about in terms of our announcements, I'm actually here. Part of me being here is always a great opportunity to connect with all of you here. And uh, after service, if you're between the ages of 25 and 40, maybe a little less, maybe a little older, we're actually heading out for lunch. Uh, to Paramount, which is over by the Cineplex uh, Plaza. So you're all invited to come and be a part of that. So uh, we'd love to have you there and enjoy that time of fellowship. Uh, Pastor Rick was talking about how, you know, we love that we have all our different campuses. And uh, today, Heather is over in, 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 uh, in Mississauga to kind of show them how it's done. And I guess I'm here. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying. You, you said it, not me. I'm just... I'm kidding. I'm here. I'm here to learn from the great Pastor Rick. No, really? Pastor Rick is awesome at what he does, and uh, he does deserve a hand. We hear great stories week in and week out of what's happening here at the church, and I know that Pastor Rick gives great leadership, and I am humbled at the opportunity to come and be a part of what's happening here uh, from time to time. This is great. Uh, I don't know if any of you have ever seen the show Fear Factor. Who has ever seen that show? Anybody? Okay. You probably have seen that, uh, that logo around before. And this show, I don't know, I actually discovered one thing that uh, I didn't realize after Ruby and I got married, that Ruby loves Fear Factor. I was so surprised. Like, really? Ruby is not the kind of person when you first meet her and, you know, she's into, like, scary things like that. But, man, she loves the show. And so I, I was into it. And they actually revived the show a couple of years ago. They brought it back for a short while. And I remember on that one particular episode, they, it was the middle episode. Usually the, the sorry, the middle task. There's a first task, second, and third. The middle task is the one where you usually have to eat bugs or you have to sit in a tank of spiders and last for an X number of seconds or whatever like that. In this episode, uh, the second task was uh, one of three challenges. They had to spin a wheel and and pick one of them. One of them, uh, there was a couple, and these were all different couples. One couple had to go inside a container and had to survive through, I don't know, two minutes of tear gas, like without a mask or anything. They just had to survive it and come out. Uh, the other two tasks, one was to uh, get a tattoo of Joe Rogan on your body somewhere. So this was, you know, I, fearful or, you know, whatever. The third one and, uh, was a couple that actually had to shave all the hair off of their head. Hair, eyebrows, beard, everything like that. And the couple actually accepted the challenge. So here's this woman with long, luscious, brown, uh, blonde hair, you know, very beautiful person. And she shaved her hair. She shaved her eyebrows, everything. And she was kind of crying through it, but she made it through. And, you know, she, she in a sense, as the, fear, as the show says, uh, she stood in the face of her fears and she overcame it. Now, today we are talking about fear. Uh, the last few weeks, we've been doing a series called Rescued and how we're rescued from different things. We've been talking about rescued from, uh, being rescued from hopelessness, uh, being rescued from loneliness, being rescued from brokenness. And today, we're going to be talking about how we are rescued from fear or how we can be rescued from fear. And when I think about this passage, when I think about, or this topic rather, uh, I think we all face fear from time to time. I think it's something that naturally happens, and I've tried to even think through, why is it that we are afraid of different things? 
Uh, I've thought about the things that I'm afraid of. When I was little, I hate, I was so afraid of the dark, and I hated going to the basement by myself. So, you know, I'm always walking around quickly, you know, quietly, always, you know, working through the dark, trying to turn on all the lights in the basement. If I ever had to go through, always wondering, you know, is there someone behind me? You know, always afraid of something. As I've gotten older, that fear has subsided, thankfully, uh, but I'm still afraid of heights. Or I, actually, it's not a fear of, uh, of heights, it's a fear of falling. I can totally be up in a plane, I love flying, but it's, uh, I have yet to muster up the courage uh, to stand on the glass floor of the CN Tower and look down. I've stood and kind of walked with shaky knees across, touched this, the, the, the end wall, and then walked back. Haven't been able to look uh, down the floor yet. So there are fears that we have, and I've tried to think through what is it that we are afraid of, and, and why are we afraid of these things? For me, I think that fear comes from a place of insecurity. It's the unknown. There's something about this that we feel doesn't make us safe. And whether it's a a sense of self-preservation, maybe it is a sense of, of the unknown. There's something about whatever it is that you have in your mind right now, the things that you are afraid of, uh, that concerns us and that we are uncertain of. And so because of that, we, we kind of step back from those opportunities, kind of maybe face our fears, and we instead keep ourselves safe. There's a great story in the New Testament, in one of the Gospels, uh, that talks about this incident or this situation that kind of plays out between Jesus and his disciples. Uh, they've been doing ministry in the area, and Jesus calls them to go on a boat, and they start crossing uh, the sea. And so this story is found in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers are here. They can help uh, lend you a Bible, and if you just show your hand, they'd love to send that to you. You can just leave it on the chair beside you when you're done. Or you can also follow along on uh, version, our the Bible app. Uh, you can scroll and look for our notes under the live uh, section, and you can follow along there. You can save your notes, and you can read along there. Um, in Mark chapter 4, verses 35, it starts like this. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So when we read a passage like this, uh, as I was mentioning before, it, it kind of brings up this uh, question of, you know, the things that we are afraid of and why are we fearful? And I want to look at what uh, happened with Jesus and how Jesus responded to this situation, as well as the disciples and how they responded or reacted, and, and try and learn from them and, and hopefully apply that in our own lives when it comes to the fear that we have of different things and, and, and how we respond when life happens to us. The first thing that comes to mind is that fear can emerge in the midst of our ordinary circumstances. Fear can emerge in the midst of our ordinary circumstances. A lot of times, if you ever think about it, I don't know if you've ever, if you can ever recall the moment that you knew you were afraid of something. 
does anyone ever really know that it just happened? Or did everyone kind of just maybe realize over time that, oh, yeah, I've always kind of just been afraid of that. You know, sometimes these things emerge out of completely benign circumstances. Uh, For the disciples in this story, they were out on a boat, they were crossing the sea, and all of a sudden a storm comes up. And when you think about it, a lot of these disciples, if you recall, when they were called, they were fishermen. These are people that are very familiar with what it means to work on the sea, to work in the open water. They know what it's like. They know that, you know, the weather can be unpredictable and all these different things. And yet, in this ordinary circumstance, they're just crossing the boat. They're taking their time. God had said, hey, let's go out to this place. And so they're thinking, okay, we're just going. This is a time of rest. We can just enjoy this time. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, this storm comes. And I think sometimes we can realize in our life that we can be doing our thing. We can be faithful. We've been doing everything that we think is right. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, something happens. And all of a sudden, this fear comes out of nowhere. And I know it can be difficult. It can be hard. Why is it that something like this needs to happen to us? When you look at the disciples, think about their own story. They are with Jesus, the creator. They are with the rabbi. And you would think of, of all places to fe- have this sense of security, a sense of safety, a sense of assuredness, it would be with Jesus. And yet, even with Jesus, here are the disciples caught in this thing that is very unexpected for them. And here's the thing. When they were not expecting a struggle, they got hit with that storm. And that's, I think, a lot of the times what happens in our own lives. When we're not expecting it, things will happen to us. Now, it doesn't mean that we need to live our life completely on edge, always waiting for everything. I don't think that's the kind of, you know, freed and, and enjoyed life that God wants us to live, that we should simply be on edge, because then we can't really enjoy anything. But I think that what the disciples learn here is that there is an idea of a preparedness that we can enjoy or that we should have in mind. You know, I'm sure as fishermen, when they were out on the boats, they probably knew what to do when, they ha- when a storm came up, how to handle the sails, how to take care of things. And, and they hopefully were training themselves to, to be able to react and to handle this proper, properly. And so in the same way, I think when we approach life, we shouldn't live in fear of what can happen. But I think it's important that we come prepared, that we think through what are the different things, those different scenarios that can happen. And as best as we can, we approach this with all preparedness. The neat thing about this story is, is something that even in our sermon prep time this afternoon, or uh, Thursday afternoon, or Thursday morning, sorry, when we were getting ready for this sermon, we were reading through the passage again, and something that I had never noticed before came up. And it talks about something that was happening in this story that is often overlooked. And it's this idea that when we go through something, when we are fearful, one of the things that can happen is that we feel we are alone. We think that no one else understands the things that I'm going through. No one could understand or appreciate how afraid or how fearful the concerns that I have for my situation, for my safety. We think that no one could ever... um, uh, connect or relate with what I'm feeling or, what, how, or how this is emotionally uh, um, uh, hurting me. What I love about this passage, if you go back into the, into the verses, it says in verse uh, 36, there were other boats with them. So when Jesus and the disciples went off into that, uh, went out into the sea, uh, there were other boats that had gone along with them. And so what quickly gets overlooked as you're reading the story, you think that, wow, the disciples were all alone in the sea and no one else could understand what they were going through. 
But there's a great little moment here where we realize, no, all these other boats were being battered and torn. And the thing is, what we tend to do is we isolate ourselves when we are in a place of fear or a place of uncertainty. When we're going through struggles or difficulties, we think no one else could understand. You know, one of the things that I've learned even in my own life, it's very easy to think that, you know, to look at my own life and say, you know, this is wrong, this is not going good, this has been so difficult, this hasn't been easy. And then I could look at everyone else's life and they'd say, wow, look at that beautiful home they have, look at how many kids they have, look at the great job that they have. And, And what I do in my mind, and maybe you have found yourself doing this too, is we take one piece from this person's life, one piece from this person's life, another piece from this person's life, And unfairly, what we do is we put them all together and think that everyone has everything together. And that's really not the truth of the situation. We see the good things, perhaps, in in what's happening in everyone else's life. We think they've got it all together. They have nothing to fear. But the reality is is when we want to see what we want to see, that's all we're going to see. But what we don't realize is that, hey, maybe that family is going through some other difficulty that they haven't really shared, or maybe we're choosing not to see it. And all I like to do is just look at all the bad things in my life. And conversely, I choose to neglect or reject the areas of my life where I do see God's favor, God's hand of blessing on my life. I just like to think, oh, woe, woe is me. I've got everything wrong. Everything, nothing is going right with my life. God doesn't care about me. God doesn't love me. And so we can be fearful and we can be afraid because of what we see. But what we see in this boat, or what we see in the story, is that there were other boats that were going along, that were in uh, that storm just along with the disciples and with Jesus. And they understood. They knew what was happening. They could relate. And so maybe one of the things that can help us when we find our places, uh, find ourselves in those places of fear, is to be able to connect with others who maybe understand what we're going through, to realize that others know what it means to be afraid and to have difficulty. So we can ask God why uh, he would allow scary, uncertain situations in our lives to begin with. You know, does God not love us or care about us enough to, to prevent such difficult circumstances? And we can question God. We can ask God why, you know, me, a child of God, someone who has tried to serve you faithfully all these years, why are you letting these things happen to me? But it leads me to my second uh, point this morning, is that God never promised that we wouldn't face challenging circumstances. God never promised that we wouldn't face challenging circumstances. When we see uh, the beginning verses, the opening text of this passage, it says he led them out onto the lake in verse 35. Let us go over to the other side. Jesus said, this is where we need to go. And so the disciples obediently followed. Now, wherever God leads us, it's important to remember that he will lead us wherever he sends us. God is not going to say, you know, you've got to do this on your own. The cool thing about God, as I've learned in my own life, and hopefully you've discovered this in your own lives as well, is that if God is sending you somewhere, or if God is leading you somewhere, he's sending you there as well, and he's not just abandoning you to yourself. He will be with you wherever you go. Uh, there was a great uh, quote that comes from uh, an author and preacher, John Orberg. Uh, this past uh, Sunday, last week, uh, for those of you who were there, we had Inspire Night. And so once every few months, we get all of our ministry partners, our volunteers together, and, and we just 
appreciate you because of all the faithful work that you do. We serve a meal, and we do some teaching time. We break off into small groups, and we, and we do some training in our specific ministry areas. And so we watched a video by John Orberg. And in this video, he was talking about, he entitled his sermon, Oh, the Places You'll Go. And, and basically, he was quoting from scripture and from the famous book by Dr. Seuss. And it was a great sermon that he'd, he'd preached on. And coming out of that, uh, what we learned was, uh, he, well, in, in general, what he was talking about was the idea that God has so many open doors for you. And a lot of times we can wonder and reflect and, and, and think about, you know, do I walk through this open door or that open door? Or maybe, why don't I see open doors in my life? And, and he was dealing with that whole idea of, you know, those next steps and, and where God is leading you and guiding you. I think it's very appropriate for this sermon as well. And one of the things that he touched on was this idea of peace. It's this idea that, you know, if God wants me to go somewhere, there will be a sense of peace because this is absolutely where I need to go. And you know what? Maybe there have been things in your life that you have gone through that you've absolutely sensed that peace. Everything just kind of seemed to fall into place. Everything was good and easy. And that's great. I think it happens from time to time. Uh, I, I can think through a few instances throughout my life where that has been the case. I remember when I was finishing seminary and Ruby and I were thinking about what my next job was going to be. And uh, two job opportunities came up at the same time. They were both part-time jobs. And uh, the interviews were both in the same week. And in fact, uh, the same day actually too. And coming out of it, I noticed that there was going to be a lot of overlap in their schedules, and I didn't know what to do. Why is God doing this? And so as we kind of fleshed out the details of these two jobs, um, it ended up working out that both of them were willing to work with each other's schedule. It was a great moment where we just absolutely sensed that God was orchestrating and putting everything together for us, and it was great. But here's the thing. More often than not, we may not feel that sense of peace. And we're looking for that idea that, well, if this is God's will, it has to work out perfectly. Everything's going to go smoothly. We don't have anything to worry about. Everything has to be just as God says it's going to be. But the truth is, is that when you look throughout Scripture, how many times have you ever seen a person, when God has called them, experience peace when they've been obedient to that calling? Think about what it was like for Abraham to be told, get up and go to a place that I will show you. Like imagine what that first step would have been, looking around himself, 360 degrees. Where's my first step? God didn't say anything about where he should go, which direction, east, west, north, south, anything like that. He just said, get up and go. Is there any sense of peace in that? He's got his whole family with him, all his flock, everything, all his possessions. Where do I go? I don't know. Imagine what it must have been like for Noah to be told, I need you to build an ark hasn't really rained before. You don't know, really know what a flood is, but something's going to happen where you're going to need a boat. Okay. There's no sense of peace in that. When all the other people are around you looking at you and saying, uh, what are you doing? Oh, I'm building a boat. What's a boat? Uh, I don't know, but apparently it's going to be awesome, and God has told me to do it. There's no peace in that. Throughout Scripture, when God called someone to do something, I don't think it was ever really easy. And so, uh, you know, even for myself, I don't know where we've built up this idea that in order for God to open a door, in order for me to step forward in faith, that everything has to be absolutely perfect. And there has to be, everything has to make complete sense. And I will have peace about it. And so what we see in this story with Jesus and the disciples is that God had told them, this is where I want you to go. 
and there was a storm. There wasn't any peace. There was no calm or anything that was happening in this moment in their life. And a lot of times, that's what it's going to be like in our life. If we have heard that God said, this is where I need you to go, then we need to be willing and obedient to just say, okay, God, I'm going to go. And not necessarily look for that peace. If the peace comes, great. That's great. It's a bonus. But don't expect it. Don't feel like we as Christians, as children of God, are entitled to peace, as if we deserve something from God. God has told us to do something, and we need to go. And we need to be willing to be obedient to that. And a lot of times when we think about, you know, does God care why I'm here? You know, God never said that we wouldn't face these challenging circumstances. Even in verse 38, here are the disciples reacting to what Jesus is doing. Here, they're freaking out. They feel like they're going to die. And in verse 38, they ask him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Here, the disciples saw Jesus' reaction and equated it to God's feeling about the situation. The disciples were hysterical. Jesus was sleeping. He was taking a nap. He was getting some rest. Now, they thought that because Jesus wasn't freaking out like they were, that he didn't care. And I think there's another truth that sometimes we like to put on God, that if God is not freaking out, if God is not doing something incredible and amazing in my life to to save me from my situation or from my circumstance, then God doesn't care. No, God absolutely cares. But Maybe he's saying, I need you to calm down first. I need you to settle down. I need you to trust me through this. I don't need you to be hysterical and wondering, what if, why is all this happening? That's our natural response. That may be our instinctual response, but that shouldn't be the way that we need to be continuing day after day. God is maybe putting these things in our life to teach us and to train us to say, are you willing to trust me? Are you willing to say, I know I've got this in my hands? And that you, God, you will take care of it. First Peter chapter 1, verse 6, it says, In all of this you greatly rejoice. And we were just talking about troubles. Though now for a little while you may, have to, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. The other thing that is true about our trials and our circumstances is that they are temporary. Now, I mean that in two ways. In some ways, what we go through will have a season. We will go through it for a few days, a few weeks, maybe even a few months. And I know maybe some of us here are dealing with stuff that is going on for years. I look at my own parents' life. My mom, since I was a a young child, has had chronic headaches and migraines, and I've kind of inherited that from her. I I kind of wrestle with them. I usually now am getting a, a, a migraine once a week or once every two weeks, something like that. And you think, you know, why do people need to suffer like this? It's not fair. And we look to God and we ask God for relief and for, for restoration from our diseases or our illnesses. We look at our job situation, our financial situation, and we say, God, where's the relief? Where is this thing coming from? Where will I have a sense of peace and safety through this all? And I do believe that God can and will answer prayer. He will intervene in your life. But maybe the relief is not on this side of eternity. Maybe what we have done is think that God has to fix everything here so that this life is perfect. I think what we do is we kind of build up the expectation of what life here on earth is supposed to be like. Remember, this is temporary. This is just a foreshadow of what is supposed to happen in eternity, in heaven, when we're with God. That's the perfect thing. So if what we experience here is imperfect, then we need to appreciate and realize there are a lot of things that will not seem fair when we go through life. It will seem like, wow, this person has it all together. My life is in shambles or whatever. 
What we need to do is be willing to trust God, that God is in the midst of that circumstance, that God is with you. He is with you in the storm and that we don't have to be afraid. And I know that's tough. Hopefully for all of us, we will experience some sort of resolution, some sort of uh, healing or deliverance, some sort of conclusion to, to the issues and the difficulties that we're facing. I really hope that that's what happens. But if not, as has been the case in my life and my parents' life, maybe there are things that we just have to journey with for the rest of our life. And that's not to say that there is something evil or wrong about you and your relationship with God. Think back to the Apostle Paul. He had a thorn in his flesh that God said, you need to carry this with you for the rest of your life. Imagine Paul, this great apostle who did so much work for the kingdom of God. Even if God had asked him to say, I need you to take care of this, this is just going to be a part of who you are for as long as you live. If God can say that to Paul, imagine what God would expect of us as well. We think that Paul was deserving. I don't think I'm as deserving as Paul. So I feel like I should be willing to take up that cross as well and be willing to say, you know what? Even if things are not perfect in my life, I'm still willing to trust God. I don't think that God is absent in the midst of that. Romans 5 verses 3 and 4 in the NLT says, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. So maybe the things that we're going through are not just about having or leading an easy life. Maybe we go through these things because God is trying to build something up in you. Maybe it's to build up your willingness to trust in him, your faith. Maybe it's, as, as this passage is talking about, building up your character. Because when you go through something, if you're willing to persevere, that builds up a sense of character. It builds up the kind of person that you are, that you're not going to let these things beat you down or defeat you a time and time again. So maybe we need to respond as not saying, God, please take this away. Or maybe we should respond the way that the first century church did. I believe it's in Acts chapter 4. They were facing immense persecution. And you would think, and, and even today, we see the persecuted church around the world. And one of the things that we pray and understand where it comes from, and it's good, I'm glad we pray. We pray for their safety. We pray for their protection. We pray that God would uh, relieve them from this immense persecution that they're facing. But the Acts church, the first century church, when they were facing this immense persecution, when you read this prayer, I believe it's in Acts chapter 4, it doesn't say, God, save us from this trouble. It says, God, Give us strength to endure. They didn't say, God, we need you to remove it. They said, God, help us move through it. Help us, give us strength to, to pass through this and to do it well, to endure what we're going through. So I want to encourage all of us that maybe in the times that we are facing of those difficulties and uncertainties, we may pray, God, take this away. But if it's God's answer and desire that you go through it, then don't feel like, well, God doesn't care about me. God has given up on me. No. Pray and receive the truth of the fact that God is with you and he's using this to teach you and to bless you and to build you up into a better person. And now sometimes when you look at your life, you may think, okay, you know, God is leading me and I understand that that's why I'm going through this trouble. And maybe when you look at your own life, you say, well, what if I am where I am because of disobedience? What if it was because I didn't follow God well, what if it is because I didn't listen to him that I went somewhere where God didn't want me to be? Now, does that mean that there's no hope for me? Does that mean that God is not there with me? Psalm 139, verses 7 to 12, so appropriately answers that question. 
starting in verse 7, it says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. No matter where we are, no matter where we find ourselves, the truth of what the Word of God says is that God is there. And that even when we have stepped out of God's will, He's still there with you. He's more than willing to lead you back to where you need to be. And we just need to be willing and and faithful and obedient to that process. And so this kind of leads us to a decision that we have to make, which is my third point this morning. Every circumstance is an opportunity to express fear or faith. Every circumstance is an opportunity to express fear or faith. The disciples were afraid of the storm. Verse 40 says, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Jesus looked at them and saw their response to what was happening around them and said, why are you afraid? And Jesus equated it to a lack of faith. Because it wasn't just about the storm that Jesus saw. He was hoping that by this time, at this point in Jesus' ministry, for all the time that he had already spent with them, for all the things that he had shown them, these wonderful miracles and signs and wonders, all these great things that they'd experienced, Jesus was thinking, they should get who I am. They should get who they are, that they are my disciples. I have a great plan and purpose for them, that this storm shouldn't scare them. And I think that that's what happens too in our own lives. We can be afraid of what happens to us because all we do is we focus in on the storm. Remember the story of Peter walking on the water. That's what happened too. There was that moment where Peter steps out on the water and it's great because he's actually doing it. But what happens to cause Peter to start sinking? It's because he turns his eyes off of Jesus and puts his eyes on the storm. He sees the things that should be of concern to him or he thinks that are concerned and he changes focus. Jesus should have been his focus. Instead, he says, no, I'm going to focus on the storm. I'm going to focus on the situation. I'm going to focus on the difficulties. I'm going to focus on the reasons why this shouldn't be happening, why I shouldn't be walking on water. And that's what happened. So in the same way, when we are faced with these difficult situations and circumstances, we have a choice. Do we want to put our eyes on God or put our eyes on our circumstance? You know, one of the most often quoted uh, commands throughout Scripture is the command, do not be afraid. It's a very familiar passage here. In, in this story, throughout the New Testament, even harkens back even to the time when God was calling Joshua to lead the people. In Joshua chapter 1, verse after verse after verse, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. But the reality is, with the disciples in this moment, and oftentimes in our own life, they had, and even us, we had more fear for their circumstance than they did have faith in their Savior. They had more fear of their circumstance than they did faith in their Savior. Yeah, I'm reminded of the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is a, a moment in Israel's history when they were uh, exiled into Babylon. And these three young men, uh, we hear a story about them, how they were called to, to bow before an idol. And they wouldn't do it. And they wouldn't compromise on their beliefs. 
and their punishment was to be thrown into a fiery furnace. And the king's anger was so great towards these three men that he asked the furnace to be turned up, to, the, the heat of the furnace to be turned up seven times over. It was so hot that even the person who was uh, stoking the fire burned to death, even at the mouth of the furnace. And with all of this that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego saw in their circumstance, they had this wonderful response. It's found in Daniel chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. In the face of death, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not waver in their faith. They knew that this was absolutely a difficult circumstance. There was so much to fear about dying a fiery death, being burned alive. And yet they did not waver. They did not succumb to the pressure to say, okay, we're going to give in and worship this other foreign god and to, and to objectify you, the king. No, they were willing to stand with God. When we read the story of Moses and Israel, uh, there's a passage in Exodus chapter 14 where the people are on the cusp of crossing the, uh, the sea. They find themselves stuck between literally a rock and a hard place, so to speak, where there's a sea in front of them and, the, and Pharaoh's army behind them. And there are two responses that are found. There's a response of Israel and there's a response of Moses. In chapter 14, verses 11 to 14, it says, They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to this desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. When the Israelites saw their situation, they responded in fear. But when Moses saw his situation, he responded in faith. Because these verses continue, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord that the, the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. I love what, uh, how Moses ends this passage here. It says, you need only to be still. I think sometimes when we see our circumstances, what we do is we like to try and fix it ourselves. And we say, God, okay, I, I know you're there, but trying to be with me as I do this and do that. And we try and fix these situations and circumstances ourselves. And what Moses reminds us of here today is, you just got to be still. Watch God do his thing. Maybe God will ask you to be a part of that solution. But what we need to do is not just try and figure it out our own selves and try and do that. I'm going to ask uh, the worship team to come up as we're about to close now. Back in the boat... Back in our story where we first began, when we see how the disciples reacted to what uh, was happening around them, the disciples tried to pull Jesus into their place of fear. They were asking Jesus, aren't you concerned? Aren't you worried about what's happening to us? Don't you care about what is going to happen? They tried to pull Jesus into their place of fear. But instead, Jesus responded to them by calling them to a place of faith. Are you willing to believe that God is where uh, you need to be? That God has called you to where you are right now. Are you willing to just trust me through that process? 
Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6 says, So we can say with confidence, The Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. And I think the challenge here uh, is so nicely summed up in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. It says, This is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Just as God gave that command to Joshua, that same opportunity is here now for us this morning. So when you look at your life and you see the things that you're afraid of, maybe it's uh, your fear of your family's well-being. Maybe it's about that job that hasn't been working out or you haven't been able to find it. And you're thinking about all these different things and, and you're wrestling with, God, where are you in the midst of this? May the truth of today's sermon just pour into your life and just overfill you with hope and with joy that God has not abandoned you. God is there with you. And that we realize that, you know, sometimes we are going to go through difficult things. But even if we do, God is there with you. He has made a way and we are not alone. And so do not be afraid, but instead be strong and courageous. Trust in God. Trust that the person who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. That if he started something in your life, if he loved you so much to create you, if he loved you so much to die on the cross for you, if he loved you so much to be in daily relationship with you, it's nothing for him to just simply be there with you in your day-to-day circumstances. If he's already done all that, then the circumstance you're facing right now pales in comparison. And so we can trust and know that God is there with you. And if God is there, I know it doesn't mean that we have the answers because nothing in this says that we will know that how things are going to work out. We don't know what the end is going to be. We don't know if that prayer request that we have in our heart is ever going to be fulfilled here or on the other side of eternity. We don't know. All of this is doing is calling us to a place of faith and trust in God. That is all the response that we can have. And if we can trust that God is willing to do that, there are going to be great things that are going to be happening in your life. Because no longer you're going to expend unnecessary energy on worry and fear. You're going to be in a place where you can just trust and rest with God. I believe that God wants that for each and every one of us if we are willing to accept the truth of that this morning. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you this morning that we could come together and just enjoy a wonderful time of worship and fellowship, of prayer, of singing, of baptism. Lord, so many things that we go through in our life, uh, we understand that there is certainly cause to be fearful, to have concern about our situation or our circumstances. Lord, I want to thank you that you are there in the midst of it. And that in the end, when we realize that we are where you have called us to be, that there is nothing to fear. And so God, I pray that the truth of that would just rest so powerfully and yet gently on our hearts in each and every one of us today. Maybe we find ourselves in that place. And so God, I pray that that truth would just start to break through the lies and the deceit that has clouded our judgment or has clouded our thinking and let the truth of this just pour into our life, Lord God. For God, maybe right now we find ourselves in a good place. There aren't things that we are fearful of. 
Lord, I just pray that this would just continue to build up a solid foundation of our faith so that when those opportunities to be fearful come, that we will instead choose faith and we will choose trust in you. So God, thank you for what you're doing in our midst. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Today we celebrate with you for the hope that we have. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.